I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your people. We thank you for the spirit of God that's here to minister to each one of our hearts. We thank you for the incorruptible word that is able to be engrafted into our hearts so that, Father, we can truly live the more than abundant life that Jesus died for us to have. And so as I decrease now, I thank you for the spirit of God and the anointing of God raising up to feed every person the spiritual man of your word. And I declare that we will leave this place never the same. And signs, miracles, and wonders will follow the word in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Our current series is entitled Amazing Grace. Everybody say Amazing Grace. And the focus of this series is to provide a biblical understanding of what grace is so we can truly live by grace through faith and so that we can experience God's best for our lives. And so our lesson title today, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down grace for the giver. Grace for the giver. And this lesson will be a combination of biblical principles, personal stories from others, as well as my wife and I. And finally, the testimonies from members here at Word of Truth Family Church. So today's message is going to be kind of different because it's really going to be a combination of true stories and how you can see in reality how grace comes to the giver. Now I want you to find 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 6. And then I want you to find Luke chapter 6 verse 38. That was 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. And then I want you to find Luke chapter 6 verse 38. Now, last week, let me just do a small recap. We've defined the word grace to mean to be accepted. It means a benefit. It means favor. And it also means a gift. Everybody say a gift. So when, it, when the Bible says we are saved by grace through faith, it's saying that God has given us the gift of grace so that we can receive salvation. And so... When you're talking about grace, and we're talking about this morning, grace for the giver, I'm going to show you from God's word in principle that you can release grace or favor or gifts into your life when you learn how to give. And I'm not talking about just giving money. I'm talking about giving, period. Second Corinthians chapter 9, if you're there, say I'm there. Now, I felt this lesson was appropriate for this weekend because we're celebrating or supposed to be celebrating Memorial Day weekend. Now, many of us celebrate holidays in the wrong way. We celebrate holidays because we're just thankful we're off work. But if you look at it, Memorial Day is really set aside and it started because they wanted to honor those who were in the war, fought for their country and died for their country. 
And I'm going to show you in just that principle, those who died for our country are now receiving grace or favor or a benefit because here it is today, we're actually setting aside a day to just celebrate what they did. Amen. Now, in 2 Corinthians 9, it starts in verse 6. It says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly. Now, keep in your mind, we're not just talking about money. We're talking about anything. If you sow forgiveness sparingly, you will reap it sparingly. And he who sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him or her give. Not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8. And God is able. Now that word able, I want you to write down what this means. Able means mighty in wealth and influence. Mighty in wealth and influence. He's saying God is able. He is mighty in wealth and influence. Watch this. To make all grace, all favor, all blessings abound. That word abound means to superabound in quality, in quantity, and to have more than enough. He's, do, he's able to do that towards you, watch this, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. I want you to notice here in verse 8. It really picks up after verse 6 and 7. Verse 6 and 7 just says when you sow, how you sow it, and the way you sow it is how it's going to come back to you. But when you give, he says God is able to make all grace or favor to abound to you. That says that when I give, it triggers grace. It didn't say what I give. It doesn't matter. If you give as a person, it's going to trigger grace or favor on your behalf. Now, just write down Luke chapter 1, verse 30. It says, and the angel said unto Mary, fear not, for you have found favor with God. The word favor there in Luke chapter 1, verse 30 is the same word in uh, 2 Corinthians 9 as the word grace. Now, let me read 2 Corinthians 9 in the Amplified so you can kind of get a, another view of this verse. It says this. Remember this. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously with blessings. Let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purposed in his own heart. Not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves. He takes pleasure in, he prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. God is saying when you learn how to give, it'll cause you to be in a position where you have all sufficiency in all things. And most people never sow or give grace because they don't realize that in giving grace, all you're doing is crediting your account for when you need it. 
And it's very difficult to give something you don't think you need. Amen. So here's the first point that I want you to write down. Giving causes grace. That's point number one. Giving causes grace. Giving opens the door for us to experience acceptance, favor, and benefits. Uh, uh, Not too long ago, uh, we were in a a jewelry store, and Heaven saw this uh, Invicta watch that she wanted. And uh, Heaven has many watches that we have purchased, and she wears none. So then she asked that same question that she does all the time. Daddy, can I have that watch? Well, mommy said no, because you don't wear the watches we purchased for you. And so heaven being as smart as she is and the negotiator like her dad is, she says, well, can I use my money to buy it? We said, well, if you want to use your money, go for it. So heaven pays 200 something dollars for this Invicta watch. And she just loved that little watch. She liked it. I mean, it was nice. She wore it. And then they were talking about giving sometime in the, in the, uh, in the back for the Elevate 7 and 8. They said something about giving or something. And, oh, it was shared the love. This is when our women's ministry was, was actually reaching out to the community and giving them things. And, and then she saw that and she said inside. She knew the Lord wanted her to give that watch away. She hadn't even had it for a week or a half or two weeks or so. She said the Lord told her. And she said the more she thought about trying to keep it, the more convicted she got that she needed to give it away. Now, at the same time, heaven was trying to get into a new school. This was in the middle of the year. And it's very difficult to transfer from one school to another school in the middle of the year, especially if where you're transferring to is not a public school. And so they interviewed her and she took all the tests and everything came out fine. They interviewed us and, and then they said, well, you know, we're so sorry there are no openings at the school right now. But probably in the fall, some will open up because people drop out sometimes in the fall. Well, heaven really wanted to go to school. And so that Sunday is the day she gave her watch away. Now, the previous week is when they told us that she had no spots. Well, that Monday, we get a call from the school. Uh, just want you to know that a spot just opened up for heaven. She came to me and she said, Daddy, do you think that that opportunity opened because I gave my watch away? I said, absolutely. And let me tell you why. Because when you give away what you love, God will give you what you love. One of our members uh, was... Uh, going to go get their shoes fixed. You know, they went to a shoe place to get the shoes fixed, and, and uh, she went in there and was getting her shoe fixed, and the man looked like he needed some assistance in there. The place was kind of cluttered a little bit and wasn't organized all the way, and didn't, he really didn't have any help. And the Lord talked, spoke to her and said, you need to come and volunteer your time to help this man. She didn't even know the man. And so she wrestled with that, and finally, she was like, okay. She told her husband, he was like, well, if the Lord told you to go volunteer your time, you need to go do that. So she went and volunteered her time, I'm talking about two and three hours a day, to go help this man get his business in order. Two years go by, her being faithful and consistent to what the Lord told her to do. 
Not only did she learn the business and learn how to do shoes, but learn how to organize and run that place. Guess what? The man told her, you know what? When I retire, I want to give this business to you and your husband. And he just recently did his will and put her in the will to inherit the business. Everybody say giving causes grace. Amen. And if you don't learn that, when you need grace for your life, it will be hard to come across because you have not sown it to reap it. Now, point number two is this. Giving releases grace and conquers greed. Now, remember, I'm not just talking about money. Remember the, the example I just gave, one person gave a watch, one person gave their time, but in, when both of them did it, some favor opened up for both of them. Giving releases grace and conquers greed, and here's the problem that I believe happens to most people, not just Christians, but most people. The problem with most people is that they believe in God, but they trust in their money. I'm going to say that again. The problem with most people is that they believe in God, but they trust in their money. Now, go to 1 Timothy quickly. Go to 1 Timothy. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let me show you this in principle. 1 Timothy chapter 6. See, it's hard to part with something you love. Uh, But see, you have to have a prototype in your life so that you can see that to be able to do that. God loved Jesus, but he still gave it away. There should be nothing in your life that is so valuable to you that you're not willing to give. Even if that's giving grace to someone that you know that messed up. And because you didn't mess up, you don't feel, well, they shouldn't have messed up. Well, listen, they messed up. The question is, are you going to sow some grace into their life? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, it says, charge them that are rich in this world. That they be not high-minded, nor trust in what? Uncertain riches. But in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let's just stop right there. God said, listen, if you have some money, don't trust in your money because money is uncertain. He says, but guess what? I've given you all things richly for you to enjoy. So, and then verse 18 says, so you may do good and be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. He says, in other words, when, you, when I bless you with more, whatever that more is, it's designed for you to be a blessing to other people. And I can tell you this from experience. Church people love to hold on to wrongdoing. See, the scripture says, if you see a brother who failed, you who are spiritual, you're supposed to restore such a one. So it shows your spiritual state when you're not willing to restore somebody. It's easy to talk about them and criticize them, but it's very hard to restore them unless you're spiritual. And that's why as a pastor, I can't throw away people. I'm in it if you in it. I'm willing if you're willing. And you know what? God's attitude towards us is he's not seeing how long we stay down. He's waiting for us to get back up again. Amen. 
recently uh, a member of ours who was invited to church by another member was having some financial issues when they came to the church. And this particular person said to this person, because he was kind of mentoring him, he said, listen, I don't care what happens to your money. You give God 10%. That's what you're going to do. He said, what did I just say? You said, give God 10%. And you know what? He tried, but he was inconsistent. And finally, when he got consistent, after about a year of being consistent, he got custody for his son, full custody, and he's a single man. The court systems rarely give full custody of a child to a man. But then he kept being faithful. Four more months went by. And then all of a sudden, he felt a need to just apply for another job. And he applied for another job. And when he applied, he not only got the job, but he received a $30,000 raise when he changed jobs. Now, see, let me tell you what he was willing to do. Let me tell you what he was willing to do. He was willing to see in the future what he couldn't see in the present. Because that's what happens when you start giving. Giving causes you to live with expectation. And when he got that $30,000 raise, I guarantee you. See, because I counted the days. It, it, it ended up being 480 days that he had to wait. Now, this is what faith does. Faith is able to see into the future even what the present is not disclosing. That's what faith is. And somehow, if all of us, if I had a calendar and said to you, listen. Start tithing, start giving of yourself, start giving outside of yourself, start acting right in your marriage, start showing love in, in your relationship, start sowing some, un, some forgiveness in your relationship, start just acting like God, do it for 480 days. And on the 480th day, something major is going to happen. Because if I was him, if I was in his life and I said, you know what, the Lord showed me that in 480 days, you don't get a $30,000 raise, just don't stop tithing. I'm sure he'd have got a calendar out and said, day one, that's gone. Day two, that's gone. Day three, he'd have had enough. Okay, that's 365 gone. Okay. One month, two months, three months. You know what that's going to do? It creates expectation. And that's what we have to see. And you know what? That's what the word is for. Even though in the midst of all that, his child support went up, his bills went up, and his money was going down. How many know, though, that grace will come when you give? So watch this now. Faith is the ability to see the outcome before the end comes. I'm going to say that again. Faith is the ability to see the outcome before the end comes. Not I-N-C-O-M-E. E-N-D-C-O-M-E. In other words, faith can look and say, I see the end. And that's why I said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And there are some things in your life, the only way you're going to endure them is if you can see what God sees. Amen. I was having lunch with a, 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 a guy, and, uh, and uh, he attends here. And uh, in having lunch, I was talking about the series, I was in the series Meditating on the Word. This was a while back. And he just started meditating on the word. And one of the ways, if you get the teaching, meditating is just not thinking, it's talking. And so he started doing that. He said, Pastor, I didn't give the inch to the devil. 
He says, and everything that could have gone wrong was going wrong in the midst of this. And he was applying for his principalship. And he got that. And so uh, there were 10 positions that came open in the AISD uh, whole district. And uh, none of them was for the principal in his age group that he was teaching. And so, uh, you know, he went and, and uh, the superintendent said, okay, I'll tell you what. We'll offer you a job as a vice principal, but you have to go down from junior high to elementary, and basically it's, the, it's a demotion. So just take the demotion. It'll give you some experience to be a principal, and then when the open door comes, then I can let you become a principal. And he didn't feel that that's what God wanted him to do because God don't go backwards. He goes forward. And the Bible says promotion doesn't come from man. It comes from God. And so he said, no, I'm not doing that. I'll just stay being a teacher just like I am right now. And then all of a sudden he gets a call from the superintendent's office. We need, uh, he need to see you uh, at such and such a time. He didn't know what was going on. As a matter of fact, he thought something was wrong because he done turned down the man's wisdom, done turned down the job, and he stayed a teacher. And uh, so he gets to the, the superintendent's office, and the superintendent says, how would it be if I said that you are now the principal of so-and-so school? And watch this. Not only was it a school, it was in the same age group that he was teaching. Watch this now. There was not even an opening. They removed the, the principal in that school and put them in a lower school just to give him the job. And then on top of that, he got a five-figure income increase. And it's only because he did something that was key. This is what I'm going to show you here. He was in a meeting, just like we are, except it wasn't on a Sunday. Miles Monroe was the speaker. As a matter of fact, they were speaking over in uh, Cornerstone Baptist Church. Uh, I was there one of those nights, and uh, Brother Miles, I love him, but he was talking too long for me. <laughs> After about an hour and a half, two hours, I told my wife, it's time to go. <laughs> she said, where are you going? I said, I'm leaving. She said, what? I said, it's two hours. He'd been talking two hours. I can't focus for two hours. She's like, well, where are you going? I said, I'm going out of that door right there. She said, well, won't you go out of this door? It's, it's close. I said, but that one's closer to my car. I'm going that one right there. And so I had to leave Miles. Well, Miles had got up and said, you know what? It took him a while because Miles does everything long. He talked about his product. It took him a whole hour to talk about his product. Then he got to the offering. It was taking him a long time. And so the Lord told, he said to some people, there's some people, God going to ask you to get some money you ain't got. And the young man that I'm talking about that got that, that thing with the whole school hadn't happened yet. He was still waiting in faith for the job. God told him, you need to give $500. He said, well, God, I ain't got 500 on me. Number two, I don't have my check. And number three is at home. And he said, well, you need to go get it. He said, well, I tell you what, I'll give the 500 if he is still taking up this offering by the time I go home and come back. It's a true story. So he got up, went home, went and got his checkbook, got some water, <laughs> took his time, went to the church, went to the bathroom, came back in. He's still taking up that offering. <laughs> How many know he sold the $500 and that triggered the door for favor to come towards him? Amen. So here's the next point I want to do, and I'll close with this. Point number three is this. Grace is not a hand issue. It's a heart issue. Grace is not a hand issue. It's a heart issue. Go to Luke chapter 6. I told you to go there. Go to Luke chapter 6. 
This is the major problem of why people cannot sow grace. If you have a hard time forgiving somebody, it's probably because your heart is clogged and you have a spiritual stingy heart. Grace is not a hand issue, but it's a heart issue. In Luke chapter 6, I'm going to start actually in verse 26 because I want you to see the context of what we're talking about. So I'm going to read a lot here, but I I want you to just follow me. Luke chapter 6, look in verse 26. Jesus says, woe unto you. When all men shall speak well of you. You know, everybody wants everybody to like them. But let me tell you a secret. If you don't have any haters, maybe you are the hater. <laughs> See that slow rippling effect I just had? Some of y'all got it and then some of y'all kind of slow. You didn't get your coffee this morning. I'm going to say that again. Jesus said, woe unto you if everybody says everything nice about you. If everybody saying everything nice about you and you have no haters, it could be because you the hater. Now look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, are you a hater? Now look at them again and say, you need to stop hating. <laughs> Verse 27, for I say unto you which hear, Love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for those who despitefully use you. And unto him that smite you on one cheek, offer the other one, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And him that takes away your cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that ask of you, and of him that take away thy goods, ask them not again. And if you would not that men should do to you, or let me say that again. And as you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to those who just do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do the same, verse 34. And if you lend to those and hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend money. Banks do that. But he says, but love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. For your reward shall be great and you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. Notice now these are coming in pairs. He said, you be merciful because your father in heaven is merciful. He says, judge not. And you shall not be judged. He said, condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Here's the context. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. My question is, what are you getting right now? Because whatever you're getting is what you're giving. Giving is not an act. It's an attitude of heart. God gave because he loved, not because he had to. I see some of you all in your marriage relationship. I'm just doing it because they want me to. You need to get your heart right. Amen. Luke chapter 7 verse 49. You don't have to go there, but this is what it says. Starting verse 47. Wherefore I say unto you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom loved little... Or, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. In other words, he's saying, if you love little, you forgive little. 
Well, if you are not able to give grace, it's because in your mind you don't get grace. But the Bible says God gives more grace. People who see little grace, so little grace. The average person does not realize that when it's time to show someone grace, all they're doing is crediting their own grace account so when they need it. So I believe there are some people in this room today. God is going to present you with some opportunities to show grace to somebody. And you can't see it as an opportunity to look weak. If I apologize again, they just going to do it again. Or if I just let them off the hook, they just going to be off the hook. No, what you don't know is you're crediting your grace account when you give. And there are some people in the room I think need to get some relationships right. You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean? Some of y'all walked in mad at each other married today. Oh, y'all, I know y'all look like y'all on, on the same page. Y'all was fighting outside in that parking lot out there. Some of you all, you and your siblings, man, y'all fighting like cats and dogs. And you don't want to be the first one to, to, to break the ice and just say, look, whatever you, you think I did, if I did it, I'm sorry I did it. You say, well, I ain't doing that. I done done that 25 times. Well, maybe the 26th time is going to be the thing that God uses to break the situation. Some of you are in the room. You're upset with your parents. I mean, y'all, me and you and your mama fighting. Oh, my God. I don't know who I'm. I feel this thing. Close your eyes, everybody. Close your eyes. Right there. Just close your eyes. Right there. Everybody close your eyes. Head bowed. If I just said one of your situations, I wouldn't try them. But if I just mentioned in those three examples, if that's you in the room, just raise your hand right there. Just raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand because I want to see you. Ain't nobody looking but me. I see your hand. I see your hand. It's too many hands for me to just say I see you. Okay, you can put your hand down. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we th- we, I thank you for those who have heard the word today. And, and Lord, as we apply this to our lives, when, when we walk out of this sanctuary today.